Sports meets beer. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Episode number 35, Sports Meets Beer Podcast. That's it right there. That's a wrap. <laughs> Episode 35 is done. Uh, so a couple things are happening, uh, changing, well, well, first migrating. Of all, first of all, I am Brad Barmore. That is Mr. Ben Perry. And we are joined with resident home brewer, close friend of both of ours, Mr. High triglyceride correspondent. High triglyceride. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kevin Brink. How you Mr. doing, Kevin boys? Brink. Thanks uh, for having me again. Brinkual chocolate, everybody. <laughs> the carcinogen with carnal knowledge. <laughs> Mr. Kevin Brink. Hey, yo. Uh, he's here joining us today. Episode 35, momentous occasion in our mobile studio in Windsor, California. Uh, we're here to talk about a few things. Like I mentioned, there are some changes happening to the Sports Meets Beer podcast, uh, one of which is you're going to find multiple releases during the week. We are taking this show. We seem to keep getting a little long in the tooth, if you know what I mean. But not in the penis. Uh, uh, we are going to break multiple this. releases. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's called an early release. Way different. Uh, we are going to go ahead and release each segment. So look forward to... Uh, a sports segment, a beer segment, and a food segment uh, released throughout the week uh, for two reasons. Number one, um, it's what our producer told us to do. Number two, it's going to help the people who don't want to listen to sports talk and only want to hear about the food and the beer or vice versa. You can pick from any of the three now. Uh, we encourage you to listen to all three. We'd really help out our numbers. Please record. Listen to all three. Share us. Like us. Yeah. Download us. Water cooler us talk. Whatever you got to do. Water cooler um, talk. Yeah. But this yeah, is uh, this good is going to be cooler news, as it were. Absolutely. But this will get the segments uh, shorter, so you guys can enjoy them and not feel so tied down to the podcast that runs two hours plus. So, Sports meets beer has a new format. My, my column. column as a uh, a loyal listener, I appreciate the shorter opportunity. <laughs> right, and I think we're gonna we're gonna play around with it uh, for the next couple of weeks. And guess what? Right around Super Bowl is our one year anniversary. That's where we're gonna kind of officially launch it. Uh, yep. that, 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 that way. So anyways, that's, uh, that's what's new with us. What's new with you? Oh, wait, that's right. This isn't a two-way conversation. You're going to listen to us because I have a microphone. You don't. You're going to sit right there. Shut up. <laughs> uh, so if this is your first time tuning in, not only are you hearing about a format change, but we also do a numbering system. We, uh, we like to correlate the episode number to a retired athlete. Uh, in one of the major sport events, uh, core four sports, that being hockey, basketball, baseball, and football, uh, we try to find one that has the uh, who's the who wore it best, if you will, a little red carpet. <laughs> um, who was the best number? Uh, so this week we are on number thirty-five, and uh, hearing a little a little talk as we are setting up the uh, recording equipment. There's not many to choose from. There, like, I don't even 34. think there's much of an honorable mention. Can we do really? a thirty-four point two? Yeah. Do a 34 and a half? Uh, no, there's really the best 35s that are out there. Ricky Henderson wore it a few times, but he also wore uh, 11 different numbers over his 25-year career. 11? Yeah. Oh. The guys go into, they don't go into Cooperstown with a number, right? Uh, they go in with a hat. They go in with a hat. They go in with a hat. Um, uh, Aeneas Williams was the other guy, but he's not a Hall of Famer. Nope. Uh, he also is the guy that ended Steve Young's career. So yep. we're not... We're not uh, Fuck yeah, that, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Mum, mum's well, no, a word no, on no, it. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. 
Neez Williams just doing his job. Lawrence Phillips ended Steve Young's career. <laughs> now, Lawrence Phillips was supposed to pick that blitz up, and he just didn't. He was like, I hit bitches, not linebackers. I got a bottle of goose, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I, hit I hit bitches, not safeties. Uh... The guy that gets the uh, episode 35 uh, nah, love. This one's for you, Aiden Labatt. <laughs> yeah. Jacob Molson. Uh, Tony Esposito, Hall of Fame netminder for the Chicago Blackhawks. Six-time All-Star. Uh, Is this the part of the conversation where I should just tune out? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> just kidding. Eh? You've heard the name, right? Totally. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's all I've you need. a lot of names in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his uh, his nickname for a while in his career was Tony O, as in uh, O, uh, zero yeah, goals scored. Zero. He uh, he was a Calder Trophy winner, which is for those of the uninitiated, it's like the Rookie of the Year. Uh, he was the uh, Vizina Trophy winner, which is like best goalie. He in 1970 uh, had 15 shutouts, which was part of a three year run of 35 total shutouts, which is still unmatched by anybody in that's bananas in wow. NHL history. And back then, they probably played 35 games a year. No, they played the full season. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he was known for having the quickest glove in the game at the time. He was one of the first guys to play like what we kind of see a lot of guys play now, which is the butterfly style, which is sort of get your skates out and your knees down uh, and kind of uh, block the lower part of the goal with your pads. Once pads got a lot uh, lighter in weight, um, which was right around that time, he was one of the first guys to do that. Uh, he was also so quick with the glove, though. That, like, the reason why some goalies don't use that is because it leaves the top of the goal wide open, the top shelf, as it were. Uh, but his glove hand was so fast that he blocked everything that went up top. Um, he uh, has 99 career postseason appearances, yeah. which is pretty solid. His, post, his goal against average in the postseason is not that good. It's like in the threes, but, uh, you know, uh, never won. Would you say that he's got 99 problems and yes. they're all the postseason? The goals are, not, are definitely one of them. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we don't get a lot of love for... Uh, for uh, well, our correspondents have been a little MIA. Well, no, we don't get a lot of love for, for hockey players with, I, this although, part of this, with this part of the show, the numbers. I, yeah, I well, believe that's, that's the second or third, though, right? This is the th- second. We had uh, Patrick Waugh earlier. Yeah, there's been some honorable mention. Oh, no, wait. Do we have Patrick? No, who do we have? Yeah, Patrick Waugh. Yeah. Um, there have been some honorable mentions. Yeah. I mean, it's hockey. There's a lot of... Numbers that are in the stratosphere too. There are, yeah, there are some. Well, it's you know there's a lot of honorable mentions, but no one gets to hoist the trophy up of the Sports Meets Beer podcast honorable mention. That doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, Very they can good. hoist my balls up. Um, Not quite the trophy. We're wow. Talking. Yeah, episode thirty five. You hoist these nuts. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, Tony Esposito, episode thirty five. Cheers this one's for you on episode thirty five. Sports meets. Beard. So, is there a worse? I don't know how much Peter King do you guys read. I don't. He is like it is impossible to read him without imagining the NFL's penis in his mouth. Yeah, he's pretty good at blowing the. Blowing Goodell in the NFL. I'm a big fan. I watch I watch PTI every day, and he used to come on weekly, and they finally brought Jaws in more often. Yeah, and I can handle Jaws. Jaws is a big fan, right? Yeah, but I'm never a fan of Peter King. He just I'm said, a big fan of PTI. You are, you're not. I am. Yeah, I like I like PTI. I watch it every day. I like PTI. Which it's the original? Which monitor do you do it on? No, 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 no. I reserve the whole TV at home. 
the monitor's got computer uh, work stuff on one monitor and um, the, the uh, Nick Offerman drinking scotch in the other monitor. That's Obviously. It. Yeah. Obviously. What's it going to take to get uh, Old Man Brink to chip in for a fourth monitor so you could live stream that? Old Man Brink. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. You know what? I just an uh, LCD TV at the top of my office, right? wall mounted. There we go. It's for presentations, Dad. Yeah. Come on. PowerPoints. You never let me do anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is, uh, as we mentioned before, this is episode 35, Sports Meets Beer. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Sports-wise, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Uh, worst weekend of playoff football you've ever watched? Uh, it was awful. It was pretty bad. Uh, Raiders, there was a half of one game that was watchable. Yeah, that was the that was the Giants half of Giants Packers. Yeah, the first and, half, and really only like three quarters of the half. No, no, no. It was watchable all the way to the end. I guess Aaron right. Rodgers yeah. threw the hail mary right but other than again. That, other than that, that was it. Yeah, it was it was some pretty bad football. Uh, you know, Detroit clearly was outclassed. Yeah, you know. Uh, it didn't seem like they. You know, it's funny. Every team that lost, it seemed like they they completely abandoned any game plan they had. Like all of a sudden, it just seemed like they were just chasing their tail, trying to make because everyone got so down so quickly. Well, and like the morning game on Sunday was uh, Pittsburgh, Miami. Miami. Miami was just outclassed from the kickoff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. it just outclassed. It's a different. They're playing a different game. Uh, I mean, that game was it's over. Like when junior varsity and varsity yeah. scrimmage. So I mean, even if you had a game plan, you you were just against a superior opponent. Uh, Detroit clearly has some trouble in pass pr- in pass protection because Seattle just beat the shit out of Matt Stafford. Yeah, yeah, just beat him up. And I don't think that they've been a great defense all year, really. I mean, Seattle. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. I don't think so either. But um, you know, they probably they, better than the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know that Seattle game, you know, Seattle came and just was they just were were better. In the right amount of places yeah. uh, than Detroit was, uh, Oakland's offense without Derek Carr was clearly overmatched. Yeah, that, I mean that, that that secondary. Did you this? The most staggering stat line of the weekend was Houston had twelve passes defensed in that game. Yeah, that is like those have those are balls. In order to get that statistic, that those are balls that have to be on target, right? Those can't be throwaways. Those are balls that have to be on target, and then the defensive back has to make a play on the ball. Or the line has to make a play on the ball, right? And we saw Clowney bat a couple balls down, pick one of them off. Um, so you could say what you want about whether or not it was actually, you know, um, Connor Cook who was playing and how his level of play was good or bad. But that defense is They're good. the truth. Absolutely. The truth. It's just it's one of those things that made me think how scary it's going to be when J.J. Watt comes back. Oh, my God. I know. Because, yeah. I mean, they've, it, the injury has allowed them to develop and be still be a – not have to lean on him, yeah. But my goodness, they're gonna they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, they just yeah. gotta find themselves a quarterback. Yeah, and we, Savage might be the guy. Could be. I'm hoping that the 49ers are drumming up all kinds of talk around the league that they're gonna draft Deshaun Watson, and Houston's willing to trade <laughs> trade some picks for him so that they can trade down and get extra picks this year. But it might be a pipe dream. Yeah. Difficult to figure out what their strategy is going to be when they still don't have a general manager. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, let's talk about the Raiders real quick, actually. Um, ben, I, I wanted to just get your quick thoughts Can on... Can we not, please? No, let's talk... <laughs> too soon, too soon. Oh, that story was written a few weeks ago, I wanted to, sadly. Yeah. I, I wanted to get your... We've had this conversation off here, but I, did, I wanted to get some of your thoughts on the recording here that on uh, 
you know, not renewing Musgrave's contract. Um, you know, it's the you know sixth overall offense in football, and you're going to let the coordinator go. It's kind of an odd move, right? Um, you know, it's one of those things. First and foremost, uh, regarding the Raiders' season, they went further than I thought they were going to. Uh, so I'm happy that they excelled. I feel like the issue with Musgrave uh, is got to be very similar to what we talked about with the 49ers about play calling, getting the play call in. Obviously not as bad time-wise. But there obviously had to have been something there to, for them to not to renew his contract. It, it definitely produced. I, I always feel like his play calling was a little bit bland and vanilla with all the tools that he has at his disposal. It's very, it seems very simplistic. Um, almost like, I mean, it, it reminds me of when they kind of dumbed down the playbook for when Jamarcus Russell was there just so he could get it, to get a little bit of momentum. I'm not suggesting that they're dumbing it down for Derek Carr, but there's a lot of times where uh, a lot of people, myself included, don't always agree with Musgrave's decisions. And I understand I'm not in the booth. I'm not making the phone call, phone call, the call in. Uh, but at the same time, I just feel like it's not as a dynamic offense as it should have been, given what they have at their disposal. So let me ask you a question along those lines, though, because I, I, I understand what you're saying, and he does have a lot of weapons. But I look at that. The defense wasn't very good. No. And I'm, that's, and I'm that's wondering the part how much, I'm more upset about them keeping. Yeah, and, and we've, you've talked Nor- about that. Yeah. But how much of his offensive play calling being very uber conservative is not turning the ball over to the defense? Because, I mean, how, it's, they gave up a ton of points. Well, I hate, to, I hate to break it to you, but even last year when Carr was better than he was the year before, then the defense was significantly better. It was. Last year. And they still had abysmal play calling. It's not a question of being so cautious. It's not like they were so worried about the about turnovers. They're so worried about the the defense just not being able to hold up. I mean, if that 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 becomes a, they're they're slinging the ball back and forth, and then they go they would just go deep all the time just to keep the points up yeah. and try to control the clock. They did a decent job of controlling the clock in some games, and other times they didn't. I mean, I'll use you know the game on on Saturday was a perfect example. Their first. Uh, first series, every single play was from behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And you saw how fast that pass rush was coming. You needed a why, why they didn't at that point bring in that tight end to block, give a little extra buffer, and then get it aired out, you know, five yards, ten yards. You can't, with, with that kind of rush and those kind of guys coming in and how fast their their linebackers are, you can't expect, you know, the, the, the run behind the line of scrimmage to pitch it off or throw it, throw it behind the line of scrimmage. Right. You can get away with that with your Edelman or Tyree Kill. You can't get away with that when you're that, the whole pass behind the line of scrimmage. It I never works. It rarely, it rarely works. It. Well, that uh, no, hold on, <laughs> hold on. It rarely works. The entire New England it Patriots really works for offense. the Raiders. Right. It okay. rarely works for the Raiders. Okay. Let's say the entire Patriots offense is predicated on these route trees. Who is we're, t- we're talking about the Patriots? Right. <laughs> I'm just saying with the, rare, the rest of the sure league is trying to do it and can't. So. Uh, you know, we said this a little bit. It's weird to me that you, you know, that you would let, you know, a guy like Musgrave go. Um, you're the sixth ranked off overall offense in the league. Um, you've got good rapport with Derek Carr. Uh, by all accounts, you trust Derek Carr implicitly at the, to make decisions at the line. Right. Um, so I, I did. A, I just. I was curious to know. I was trying to figure it out. So I did quite a bit of reading this morning. Um, and Albert Breer wrote a great article earlier in the season talking about 
um, the Musgrave system and said that, um, you know, he's one of the best game plan developers and play developers uh, in the league. And what he, ta- he talked about how he'll run anywhere from like 10 or 11 different plays out of the same formation over the course of a game. Yeah. But he'll run the same one four or five times first. So that you'll see the same look, and then all of a sudden, at the then all of a sudden you'll you'll like he showed this great video of um, who's the number three wide receiver? I'm suddenly blanking on his name. Uh, Seth Roberts. Right. He'll run Seth Roberts. He'll be wide lined up completely outside. They'll run three wide receivers to the left. Seth Roberts will be all the way to the outside, and then Crabtree and then uh, Cooper will be lined up in the slot. He'll bring Seth Roberts in motion and stop him on the end of the line as if he's coming in to be an extra blocker, like they're going to run the power eye, which they've done most of the game. And then what they'll do at the last second is they'll fake the handoff, right? And Seth Roberts doesn't dive in like he's supposed to block. He'll run like a jet sweep type route, and he'll just be wide open the opposite flat away from everybody and walk in untouched. But that, only, that kind of play only works if you've shown them that look right. and run a certain play a certain way a number of times. You can't just run play action and assume... Like, it's going to work automatically. We talked about this a little bit before Green Bay and the Giants. We talked about Green Bay's play action. It's not Green Bay's play action that makes it so good. It's his ability to stay alive in the pocket. You have to be able to run the ball to do that. And so I think some of the, like, conservative play calling early in games has some meaning to it, right? I think there is, like, some... there's like some logic behind it. And I do think that the fact that the defense was a turnstile for most of the year, um, you know, and you say that they were considerably better last year, they were 23rd versus 32nd. I mean, it's, I guess, considerably better, right? But I just, you know, I look at it, you know, uh, Musgrave actually, he's. You can, spent, I, you know, I mean, I, the stat reads that way, but I can tell you the points, they did not allow as many points last year as they did this year. Well, let's take a look. We can see. They were. Thanks like a, to Pro Football Focus, they were. For these stat lines. Uh, I know they were about six points, five, six points above average, league average this year. Uh, in terms of points allowed? Yeah. Yeah, that could be. Um, I, you know, so Musgrave, one of the things when you talk about the simplicity of it, Musgrave comes, he was on Chip Kelly's staff in Philadelphia. Yeah. So they run a lot of semblances of the spread offense. But what makes him sort of, uh, what makes him sort of, uh, you know, unique is that he also has elements of the power eye. So, like as a 49er fan, I can tell you that Chip Kelly's offense runs nothing under center. Everything's in the shotgun, right. right? The Raiders run a lot of stuff out of the shotgun, but they also have the personnel on the front seven, and then also the ability to run under center and do these power eye formations, which makes them a little bit more, um, a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, complex, I guess, on the offensive side. Um, and he really did give the keys to Derek Carr in his third year, ultimately. To really, right. or second year, really, to make a lot of plays on the line. Um, and some of the offense, you know, I think, you know, if you're going to, and I'm not like a Bill Musgrave guy, it just seems very strange to me. You're on the upswing. Big time. And you, we, if there's one thing we know, if you look at the Patriots or look at Seattle or look at the Spurs in the NBA or, you know, the Giants in, you know, Major League Baseball, it's like continuity is key. You've got to have these guys comfortable, right? We're seeing it with right. the Warriors now. Like, that offense is new and they're still having their struggles. So if you ha- you're on the upswing already and, you, like, a big beastly nose tackle and a, and a middle linebacker with real serious speed and that defense suddenly becomes very real, right? right. And so... That just seems to me like that's the one place that you're dealing from strength, so why shuffle the deck? Right. And if well, you're afraid I, of losing Todd Downing, that, that's fine, but, you're, but it, all, by all accounts, Vance Johnson wants to hire Bill Musgrave as the offensive coordinator in, in yeah. Denver. If it right. ain't broke, don't fix it, right? It's, well, it's I look, crazy at, I look at a couple different factors. 
Number one, you have to think that Derek Carr was consulted in this. Do you? Had, I not, would think. Not in the NFL. That doesn't happen in the NFL. I think it was like, hey, we're thinking about letting him go because you've got downing there. You know, I think it's like, hey, we. we I, I think. That, I think. As, well, the thing that the reason I allude to that uh, is you look at it doesn't make sense to keep Norton and let Musgrave walk. Um, and it just seems to me there's something behind the scenes. And this is, you know, just like the defense makes adjustments at halftime. You know, I've talked about this before. You know, the Oakland Raiders go into the right. go into halftime. Defense have been, has been lackluster. And all of a sudden they make some adjustments and the defense now can step up and all of a sudden play like it matters. The offense is the exact opposite. They would go in and they'd actually have a, I'm sorry, the exact same. They'd go in and have a really shitty first half. For the most part, and then have to do these come from behind. Oh, how many? How many games do they win late, early? Seven. So, you, you so just for the games. yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a stat stat update. The Raiders actually gave up more points in 2015. Really? Yeah, by two touchdowns. I, I feel like three ninety nine to three eighty five so better last year than this year. I, there you go. I also thought Kansas City's defense was way better, but apparently that's not the case <laughs> either. There you go. I should do the Costanza, just the exact opposite of what my gut's telling me. The summer of George. It's um, you know, I understand what you're getting. At. Like you, you know, you're not going to the the Ken Norton to Jack Del Rio thing. It also intrigues me. Like they're obviously boys with the USC connection. They obviously, they obviously Jack Del Rio obviously handles the defense, right? Like that's it's pretty clear well, now. They also that, let their defensive backs coach go too, right? But it, so, I think it's pretty clear that Del Rio like. Like Ken Norton's just part of the rank and file with Del Rio on that yes, defensive side I of the would. football. Is this the plague too in the, in the league of defensive coaches? Basically, just have no respect for the offensive side of the ball. I don't know. I don't know. But it's interesting. You know, Wade Phillips, one of the best defensive coordinators ever, right? Yeah, is available right now. Yeah. Right. And so if you like, look at Rex Ryan. I mean, one of the best defensive coordinators. I don't think anybody wants to touch him right now. No, but I'm, but yeah, same kind of thing, right? Gonna, I think they're going to be year He was off. a great DC. Great yeah. DC. But Wade Phillips, man, I mean, the guy yeah. consistently puts out top five defenses. You know, if, as a 49er fan, I could tell you right now that I would love for Kyle Shanahan to call Wade Phillips. Yeah. Oh, my come, goodness. That would you be know? a great like, Or McDaniels or somebody. Um, you know, somebody who's got head coaching experience, an associate head coach type of player, right? I don't know. I just, I look at the Raider thing. There's, they have, there is a bright future, and they don't have to make any kind of real heavy decisions for two more years. Right. They have $45 million in cap space coming up. They're going to have to extend Derek Carr, Carr at the end yeah. of next year and Mac at the end of the following year. And if you know what happened to Seattle when they extended Russell Wilson, it's, it's a tough decision to make. And, and McKenzie has done a great job, a phenomenal job drafting in the last three drafts. Yep. Right? Phenomenal drafts. Right. By all, I mean, there's no denying that, right? The two drafts before that have not, you know, been perfect. Well, uh, Seattle was able to pay their defense before they paid Wilson. Well, they were able to they were able to pay Chancellor and there's Sherman. A, right. There's a number of players on the Raiders that, and one of which is Latavius Murray is up as well. And he this year, he right? went on record and said he goes, "I want to I want to win a championship with the Raiders." I'll, yeah, you know, I, yeah. essentially, he didn't come out and say I'll take less money, but he was yeah, money talks, man. It's funny. oh, absolutely. But I, you know, he in in, in my the last point I'm going to make about Musgrave. With the offensive line boasting being the, the number one or number two offensive line, I would expect to have way more rushing yards right. than they had. Murray didn't even come close. Didn't even well, that, sniff a thousand yards. Even well, that, he had a two well, week you, injury. You have three. You have two week injury, and you're running three guys out there. They're, they're they only started running the three guys at you know 
towards the, the they're f- they're sixth in the league in rushing. So it's not like it's not like they're slouches at rushing the football. And when you're down two touchdowns at halftime every week, right. it's tough to run the football with any kind of real consistency. Yeah. Yes, in those games. The last thing I'll say is you know the reason why I bring up the salary cap space and whatnot. I think the Raiders are in fine shape. I'm, I don't want to get into a situation where I think like this is the move that ruins them. No, they're very talented. Right. Del Rio's a good coach. Um, and I do well, have. They've a, been on the come for four years. I, really. I do. I do have a question I want to ask Three. in the off season here about Del Rio specifically. After we've had a chance to kind of digest some of this, but um, it just it would it, it rattles me as a you know a fringe Raider fan to see that happen and know that in oh, two thanks, years, buddy. yeah, to know that in two years, you know, a lot of decisions are going to have to be made, and this nucleus will not be there. It won't. You will not have all of these same guys. So why ruffle the why? you know, upset the apple cart now, you know? And I think there's probably a chance that it's a salary cap move for them, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, Musgrave just ran the sixth best offensive football and now his contract is up. So, of course, he's going to want more money. So let's go ahead and put, you know, Todd Downing in place for less money and probably have the same caliber of offense next year, right? I, I, at the end of the day, I think that's really what it comes down to. Could be. And they may just they may love Downing. It could be that simple. Sure. And it might be the right – at the end of the day, it might be the right call. It's all – we're all, it it's all just posturing awkward. for it us right now. Weird. I see your point, though. I, you know, I'm, my, I've got, I'm concerned, uh, you know, considerably concerned, knowing that, okay, you've got a guy who has zero experience sure. play calling. Boy, you better, you better be pretty good. You should have had a great interview if that's the case. Right, right. I don't know. And it, it, might, just, it might just mean that Derek Carr has had all kinds of, you know, decision-making you know, available to him on the field. And so they're comfortable with a similar scheme that right. he'll be able to make the same type of decisions. But again, you know, if you're going to fire one guy for the play calling, yet praise the quarterback for having all the decisions. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. some backwards things. There's got to be something else going on. So in any case, uh, we want to take some quick stabs at uh, this weekend's games. Yeah. Just uh, let's talk about I'm, them. I'm excited. This is always my favorite week of the playoffs. This is. You said that. We hung out. I this, love it. Yeah. You generally get two to three great games. You can't have four. I see one terrible game. Yeah. I think we all know the Texans game is going to be pretty horrible. Yeah. I think that line is 15. 15 and a half. Yeah, 16. The New England Patriots. And the total is 52. Are 15 and a half point favorites in a playoff game. Yeah. It is a divisional playoff game, and you are favored by a touchdown and, and, and a half. And you know what? It could go up. It's, uh, it's, already, it's already at uh, it's 16 and a half this afternoon. Oh, is it really? Yeah, because everybody everybody was jumping on New England. The money's going to pile on New England. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're the number one scoring defense in the league. Uh, their best defense is the fact that they can keep other offenses off the field. I think they only need to score 14 points, and this game will be over. But, um, you know, uh, Osweiler, they, let me put it this way, they beat, they beat, Houston twenty-seven to nothing early in the year with uh, what's his name Jacoby Brissett or Cody Brissett, the third-string quarterback with a broken four, right? pinky. Yeah. yeah, he broke his pinky early in the game and still played and beat them twenty-seven to nothing. This game is a, that's the snoozer of the weekend. I think yeah. that's on Saturday night. Uh, the the game the the uh, the Seattle Steelers. Is, Steelers aren't Steelers. No, they're playing on Sunday then. Yeah, we're we're Seattle and Atlanta on Saturday morning. So that's another game I looked at that line. Seattle's not Seattle when a total is, I think that total is 52. Yeah. That's not Seattle. That, that's probably the first time a Seattle playoff game has been a total that high, which, which makes me think Atlanta's going to boat race them too. I don't know if it's a boat race, but I just, if are we talked about it on the radio this morning, I don't see how if a game that's assuredly going to end in a blowout, or in a shootout rather, it's, it's going to be a shootout 
And if you have to do that, are you going to pick the league MVP in a historically good offense? Or Russell Wilson and his crazy magical playmaking that exactly. sometimes gets no, it done. You, you're taking Maddie, Maddie Ice, and I feel like the like Atlanta's defense is starting to really, really, really gel, and they're starting to improve. They weren't that impressive in, the, in week one through five. No, they've been opportunistic. You're right about been, that. They've gotten a lot better. Yeah. They've, they've matured, and they've they've uh, they've definitely taken advantage of uh, of the opportunities in front of them. So yeah, yeah. I, I and I just you know. I think that uh, you know Seattle doesn't give up a lot of points. They're actually the third best scoring defense in the league. Plus, traveling to Atlanta—that's a big deal too. Yeah, it is. That's a, I mean, it's a long trip. It short, is. So, do you consider? I mean, short week, long trip. I don't. I don't know about the short week. It's, but I just. I don't think Seattle's defense is any good. Because the thing is, you, and you that can, offense. Well, is, no, it's good. It's just not. It's. It's not what it's been. Right. And that it's offense. Not a legion of that offense is Atl- no Earl Thomas, no Earl Thomas, and Camp Chancellor over the middle yeah. is not the coverage team that you know because no, they're going to they're going to play action to Devontae Freeman or whatever his name is the running back there, and he's going to have to come crashing down. They have weapons everywhere on that. They offense. got four wide receivers yeah. that are just going to run free. They, you could you could just put Richard Sherman on Julio Jones. Julio Jones could not catch a pass, and they'll still put up twenty eight points. Right, I believe it. They are that good. So I I, I don't know that it's a boat race. But you think gonna, Sherman could keep up with Julio Jones, though? He's so physical. He's so physical, and he's so smart, and he's getting by on guile these days. Like It's like Deion Sanders was late in his career. Right. Like, play two steps off and just have two steps where the quickness enough to make you think maybe just don't throw it over there. Right. Um, but then Julio catches one one slant, and he's gone. I, he's been hurt, so I don't. I, he's got and, kind and of a bum he wheel. He does, but he still ends up breaking those balls every now and then. You know, he yeah. just, He's like a Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, I, I, mean, I he, agree. You know, it's one of those things where he makes these amazing catches, and you can't you can't ever sleep on them. No. Yeah. No. I. But I, that's just it. I think if if you're Atlanta, you are happy if they just roll Sherman to Julio Jones and right. let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Let's talk about the two coin tosses for the weekend: Pittsburgh, Kansas City. I'm excited for that. It's game. in Kansas City. Pittsburgh is currently plus one and a half. I'm wearing my Alex Smith jersey for that game. I'm rooting for Kansas City. I'm uh, yeah. very much rooting for Kansas City. I have a feeling Pittsburgh's on a mission with that defense because I think that's the best defense left in the playoffs. The way they're playing and the way they're uh, yeah, it's I'm hard. It's I can't argue with it. And I think you know Roethlisberger in the walking boot, which is pretty hilarious. We've um, seen this episode before. Yeah. yeah, I just I think that defense is on a bit of a mission. I don't know, man. I think uh, to me, I feel like Kansas City and, and Brad and I've mentioned this before. They're the most complete team they, right yeah. now yep. uh, in the playoffs in for postseason, and I think they're gonna. I think this is going to be the toughest game for them. To be perfectly honest, I think they're going to beat Pittsburgh. They're going to beat New England. And they're going to be in the Super Bowl. Well, we were shocked. I don't. I would not be shocked by that. We I were shocked when we, I pulled the numbers this morning to find out because I, you know, we've been talking about how complete they are. Their defense gets a lot of credit because they have thirty-three takeaways, but they're actually the twenty-fourth ranked total, twenty-fourth ranked defense in the league in total defense. Wow, isn't that shocking? Yeah, I was I was blown away by that this morning because you know we've watched them just take you know take games over with turnovers. Yeah, plus thirty-three is that's a nuts. Or no, they're 33, 33 takeaways. I should say they're not plus thirty-three. Uh, but no, I, I I think that I think that Alex Smith is he's in for as much as uh, Pittsburgh defense is on a mission. I think Alex Smith is is he's primed to this is I mean conceivably this could be his last opportunity to go postseason. Not likely. He's probably got what he's got. Barring a major injury, he's got a few years left. He's got a few years. I, I'm rooting so hard for him, but the other thing on Pittsburgh, you look at their offense. I mean, with with Bell, and I mean, they, you know, they've got some weapons. They've got tons of weapons, and you know, I don't know. I I think it's gonna be a great game. I'm rooting like hell for Alex Smith. I just watching, 
Uh, I think Pittsburgh Eric Berry, though. Eric Berry coming across and, and covering Antonio Brown's going to be interesting. I think it's yeah. going to be. Yeah. There's a lot. There's the a lot. Of, there's a great. There's a lot of great storyline. Uh, Kansas game. City pass rush is good. That's where they're they're strongest. Yeah. Um, you know, but Ben Roethlisberger's a, he's a smart quarterback, and Le'Veon Bell is awesome. I, I just he's a smart quarterback. He just has a great dick. They have the ability. Jesus. They have the ability <laughs> to really neutralize a lot of what Kansas City brings to the table on defense. Mm-hmm. Knowing what I know now, <laughs> as opposed to like the he's not going to make the stupid turnover. Except you know what though, you know what though, we talked about this. We watched the no, uh, we yeah. watched the game on Sunday. For as well as they the team played on Sunday, he was pretty erratic. Well, he threw that one pick that ended up being a completion to Miller. Yeah, early that happened a couple of times in that yeah. game, and it's happened a no. few times this year where he just he's been pretty erratic. And the Kansas City's really good at, at capitalizing on that he's stuff. Re- they're really good at shaking quarterbacks up. Yeah, and, and I, Alex Smith's not getting shaken up. He's too old a veteran now. He's. I'll tell you what. He's not getting shaken. Uh, uh, you know what? That's not true. If. <laughs> If Kansas or if Pittsburgh blitzes the hell out of Kansas City, and they start hitting Alex Smith, Kansas City's in trouble because their offense is best when he's two three steps, ball gets out. Yeah. If it's two three steps, and now I'm dancing, and he's got to try and make a play, you know, with his arm coming out of the pocket, and the route tree breaks down, like he's not nearly as effective. And we've seen that. We saw that against Denver earlier in the season. They just beat the shit out of him too. Yeah. Um, so if, if Pittsburgh can get pressure on Alex Smith and they can they can keep from turning the ball over, I think it's Pittsburgh's game to lose, really. I, if they turn I the ball like, over, it's all know. all bets are off. I feel like even though uh Pittsburgh defense is is so good in in and their line is their defensive uh the linebackers are awesome. Linebackers are fast, but that's one thing that I think Alex Smith is way more mobile than Ben Roethlisberger and that's true. quicker. That's true. So you've got that advantage there. I think that's going to that's going to play a factor for a couple. For they'll be still some, see him running that first half, the, lit, uh, third, you know, yeah, first half third downs, you know, third and four, third and seven, yeah. and, and Alex Smith will get it for him. But uh, you know, I would love to see Alex Smith. If, I, I, I really think it's turnovers. If Kansas City forces turnovers, then it's that is a close game. That's probably the closest game. I think so. I think it's the closest game. Of, yeah, of I the agree. Weekend. Uh, Agreed. And then so Sunday night. Or Sunday afternoon, we're Green Bay and Dallas. Um, I think we all know what that we want that game to be. Well, well, I was on the podcast what a few weeks back, saying that I didn't believe in Dallas, and they they didn't lose. I don't think since then. <laughs> uh, they did. They lost to Philly. Oh, they lost. 17. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mark Sanchez mopping it up in the fourth quarter. I, I still don't know how you pick. You know, because this time of year, you you know, you win with quarterbacks, right? So I don't I I don't know how you take. Dak over Aaron Rodgers. Well, here's here's the stat that you need to know about. <laughs> um, fourteen if you watched, hail marys. If you watched, <laughs> he's fourteen for fifteen. If you watched Aaron Rodgers last week, you know that he is on another planet right now. And Dallas is twenty fourth against the pass. Yeah, uh, they're number one against the run, and they can run the football really well. Yeah, but if it takes you fifteen minutes to get a drive and then ultimately settle for three points, because Green Bay is eighth against the run. Uh, you ultimately settle for three points, and then Aaron Rodgers throws four passes, and they're in the end zone because yeah. that's the way they've gone. Yeah, I mean they, the Giants' defense is better than Dallas's defense. And he took them, and the apart. Giants' o- passing offense is better than Dallas's passing offense, right? But they j- Dallas just controls the ball well. But th- you know, of the those three factors, really, right? You know, the Giants are better in three. I would say are better in three facets mm-hmm. than Dallas. Dallas is just so much better in the one that it makes up for all that, and Green Bay curb stomped 
yeah. the Giants in the second half of that game. Yes. Just beat them up. It was over. We said it to, when watching the game at the Hail Mary. That game was, it was over. done. It was done. So I just... It's just like, I mean, to me, it, it felt just like when when Pittsburgh had that second touchdown in the first 10 minutes, exactly. five minutes. Over. You yeah. know, it was over. It just took the, it took the wind out of their sails. What's the over-under on time on the clock when the Tony Romo chance starts in? <laughs> if they get down two touchdowns... Jerry Jones is going to start it. <laughs> <laughs> I... I I think that's going to happen, and if they're not, if they're not up by halftime, it's going to start. It'll start in the third quarter for sure. Well, if if it's like twenty-one, twenty-one, or like twenty-one to seventeen, yeah, and like they've had some success on offense, I don't think it happens. But if it's like, yeah, the first it, time, the first time if, Prescott sneezes, they're going to start chanting Romo. If it's like, but if it's like you know seven nothing, the game's close. But they've you know they're like zero for six on third downs. And, you know, they haven't really been able to move the ball in the air. Go and to the because, pen. Because Green Bay pen. is good against the run. I mean, they, yeah. they, you know, I know that Dallas's offensive line, it's neck and neck with Oakland for the best in the league. Um, you know, and Ezekiel Elliott is a great player. But, you know, Green Bay has shown that they can really be stout against the run. And I, if you put the ball in Prescott's hands and he starts to, you know, he's been great this year. Don't get me wrong. But if he starts to have some trouble, yeah. don't think for a second that they he's won't been, immediately start calling for Romo. Absolutely. Prescott's been great this year. Aaron Rodgers, like you said, he's on another planet. Yeah. Other, I mean, he's he alone say, okay, okay, boys, discount, double check, let's go. If you take, I mean, if you take Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, he's got that State Farm money. He should be buying his offensive line exactly. suits, not Osweiler. Yeah. <laughs> Custom I mean, suits. he's watching that game last week. There's no reason to think I mean, he's the best guy rolling right now. I really want to like Prescott. Like, I mean, I do. I do I'm, a, I'm a fan. I like him. He seems like a pretty genuine guy, and I really yeah. like the story. Uh, I just don't like the team he's playing for, and I think that ultimately, like you, I think you, it comes down to the pass defense, and it's Aaron Rodgers. He is going night to night. kill that secondary, yeah. kill that secondary. Unless there's some fumble, like the wide receivers start fumbling the ball or something like that, and he's going to kill that secondary. And I, can't I haven't wait. looked. Did I Nelson wait. practice today? That dude has two broken ribs and a lacerated spleen. Yeah, it ain't happening. I don't think that's happening. It didn't yeah. matter though. He was out early, right? Yeah, yeah, no. I think I think he is. Uh, I think he's not in this game. But they said he will make if they go if they advance. They'll make but I don't think game. it matters. It doesn't matter. No, I don't think it matters. Because Dallas is not good. Their at, running back is a wide receiver, right? They now. don't run the. They don't. Dallas doesn't rush the passer that well. No. Like they're going to be in nickel coverage the whole game, and I think Green Bay is just going to be able to do whatever they want. Um, and I, don't get me wrong. I don't think they're going to boat race them. I think the game ends like twenty four twenty one. 27 just, to 21, like something like that. Along those lines, I don't see a scenario where they outscore Green Bay. I don't either. So uh, do you think uh, uh, Jason, uh, what's the coach? Jason Garrett. Garrett, Garrett he loses his job if they don't win? No. No. They, uh, Jones loves him. Jones loves him, and he proved that like he can, like with the right, you know, with some defensive pieces, he's really built like a good, well, a de- a good yeah. offense there. I mean, the them, offense is only the Raiders. The I, think, the I, think if, I think if Pittsburgh loses, I think Tomlin's out. Do you really? I think so. They're going they're, they're, I mean, it's either going to be someone from the Texans or the Steelers. I think is going to end up losing the job. Yeah. Well, the problem with that. Well, yeah. Bill O'Brien is probably the gone. Steelers don't fire anybody. Yeah, they've only had four head coaches yeah, in like he's fifty the years. Head coach. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, let's just do a quick. Have little... you seen the backup coach meme? It's hilarious. No. Oh, they're like, uh, you got to look it up either probably offline. But look up if you have a chance. Google uh, backup coach. Yeah, Tomlin's got one. There's a dude that looks just like him. You mean Omar Epps? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a third one. I'd be looking like an Amir into Amir into Amir. Uh, no, and then there's another coach, and I can't remember who it is. 
do they have a, a complete coach backups that can stand in and be them? I'm logging into the. Um, is it because Terry right Bradshaw now. said that he wasn't a good coach? Is that what you think that? No, I, I mean it's one. Of those, no, I, I think that Bradshaw's comments were completely off kilter. That was so. That was poor. I don't think it was very good of him to do that. I like Bradshaw, but I didn't. I didn't care for that. <laughs> Mike Tomlin, his exact quote oh, for those, Beetlejuice. For those of you that aren't listening. Or for those of you that are listening but don't know what we're talking about, Terry Bradshaw said, uh, when did he say this? He said last week, he said, uh, Mike Tomlin is a great cheerleader guy, but I don't know what he does. I don't think he's a great coach at all. Uh, the guy's won a Super Bowl. He's been to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's all he's done is won in Pittsburgh. Right. Um, I mean, he was he was the saving grace in Pittsburgh when he took over. It took for, the reins. Uh, cower. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, so, quite honestly, like, no one thought anyone could replace Cower. Yeah. Everyone's like, that's and it. He walked, you know, right in. he walked in and just took it over. So. Came from Minnesota, right? Tomlin? Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Uh, and after Omar Epps, Damon Bruce, I think, kind of, they have a close resemblance. If Damon grew out of beard, be pretty damn close. Nice. Um, Fubu. Damon John. What did I say? Did I say Damon Bruce? Yeah. You said Damon Bruce. I'm sorry. Thank you. Fubu yeah, guy. I don't, I don't, know, if, I don't know if Tomlin gets fired. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked too. That defense has come along. It's gotten so good in the second half of the season. Like they've done an awful lot of things. They they were missing Robinsberger so for a couple of weeks. O'Brien's going to get whacked. Yeah, O'Brien's going to get, get, get cut. O'Brien's getting whacked. Yeah. They just haven't been able to build an offense there. Um, that's it. That's all games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are all the football games. Those all are right. all the football games. What else you got on your docket? Um, sports wise, uh, do we want to <laughs> uh, do we want to talk at all about uh, what's going on with the Warriors right now? Do we want to? Uh, talk about how uh, let's talk about the Warriors. Should we talk about the Warriors uh, end of first quarter, beginning of second quarter <laughs> exhibition by Mr. Bradley yeah. Barmore? I think we need to talk about that. Uh, all right. Well, I will tell the story as I saw it, and Ben will interject with the facts of the case, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, we went to the Warrior game against the Heat on Tuesday night this past week. Uh, that was a big thank you, Greg, at Vintage Warehouse. Yes, thank you, Vintage gonna, Warehouse. Yeah. Um, ben says to me ahead of time, uh, get your free throw shooting hands ready because I might have signed you up for a contest. And I'm like, get out of here. No, you didn't. He's like, yeah, I did. I know the guy with the place and the thing. He's going to do it. Okay. So I get in the car. I don't think anything of it. He makes a joke about it again. I just kind of laugh it off. I'm like, yeah, right. We get there fairly early because we try, we wanted to stay ahead of the I weather. don't know, dude. According to this video meme, I... Somehow stumbled across. You made f- five shots look easy. Look so this. hold on. So, so we wanted to get ahead of the weather, so we get there fairly early, and uh, and uh, we're sitting there kind of waiting. And these guys from like the Warrior Spirit Squad or whatever they call them, uh, they come up. They're like, "Are you Brad Barmore?" And I go, "Yeah." And they're like, "You're the guy." I'm like, "I'm not the guy. This is the guy." Like, no. Have you ever played basketball in any capacity at kindergarten? Middle school, junior high, or high school, or college? Yes. Would you like to take part in a free throw shooting contest? Sure. It's for two nights in Vegas, two nights stay in Vegas at the MGM Grand, and then if you win, again, you're shooting at the same time as another guy who's on the other hoop, and if you win, you get a chance to shoot from half court for, 50, or for 10 Gs, right? So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. So uh, they come and get me after the introduction is over, uh, and they go, all right, well, come on down. We'll let you warm up. Okay. So I go down there. They have me sign the waiver. They give me the rundown on, like, the here's how we're going to introduce you. Here's where you're going to stand. Here's where you got to go. All that. So they give me a basketball. I go, cool. Where's the hoop? And they're like, oh, there's no hoop down here. You just, we want you to just. Oh. I'm like, uh, 
Now, I've won a few bets on the I could walk out right now and make 8 out of 10 free throws on a schoolyard. I could, do it, I could probably do it right now. Um, I, <laughs> I'm fairly confident that I can walk up and start making free throws. He says, there's no hoop back here. Um, we just, I wanted you just to just kind of get a feel for the ball and do your thing. Like, okay, cool. So he goes, so just so that you guys are aware, uh, when you get out there, it's really misleading. I go, what do you mean? He said, because of the people behind the basket and then the glass backboard and then how far the base of the backboard is from the actual hoop. Like, we're used to playing on, like, the metal pole on the schoolyard. Right. Like, this is set way far back, so they give ample space on the end line. He goes, it's really misleading, and a lot of people get thrown off by it. And he goes, so I just want you to get a feel for the distance. And I go, okay, well, where's the hoop? He goes, we don't have one back here. This crack right here is about where the free throw, free throw line would be, and then on this concrete pillar, you see the, 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 like the etching we made right there. That's about where the rim would be. And I'm standing there, and I, I look up, and I'm like... Are you sure? What is this? A free throw contest in Tijuana? <laughs> I go, are you sure? And he goes, yeah. I go, that's really far, dude. And he goes, no, it is. And I go, okay, man. Like the etch is like the front of the rim or like that. He's no, no. If you like get it up and on its way down and hits that etch, you're going to, it's going to swish through. It's like, tw- it's like towards the front. It's like in the front half of the basket. Okay. Okay. So I, this I, sounds really sketchy. So I hoist up like 20 shots, right? Yeah. And I got a good feel for it. Right, and they have me go up against a guy named Antoine from Houston. Antoine grabs the ball and starts dribbling like he's <laughs> like sixty feet tall, just yeah. slamming the ball down, just trying to be he intimidating. Was, he was hyped. He was hyped. He, <laughs> so he doesn't take any practice shots. Right, he just watches the game on the TV. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. So then he, the guy, sort of the lead guy, tells me, he goes, "All right, now if you're gonna if you win, he goes." The half-court shot can be tricky also. It's better to miss long than it is to miss short. So he goes, I want you to throw it to me. I want you to hit me in my hands, but you're going to want to hit that little net that's hanging from the ceiling or hanging from the pipe there. You're going to want to hit that. That's the arc you're going to want. And if you can hit me in the hands, then you're going to end up hitting the rim. I go, okay. So my first, I, I, at first I do it, and I take two steps up, and I kind of chuck it up there like a jump shot. Yeah. And it doesn't get nearly high enough. Yeah. It hit him in the hands, but it doesn't get nearly high enough. He's like, you're going to fall short if you do it like that. Like, okay, so I step back and I start throwing it one-handed. And, like, it took me, like, two or three throws, but I threw three in a row that hit the net and hit him in the hands. He's like, that's pretty good. He goes, you, if you get there, you're going to stand a good chance. Cool. So they do the introduction. I see now why, why it's an intimidating place to play. You can't see, when you're on the court, you cannot see the upper bowl. But, you can, but the, the lower bowl is brightly lit, and the angle that everybody is sitting at, they, everyone is right on top of you. Right. It feels... Like it feels like you're in a small gym, and I could and it, like people aren't even paying attention for the most part at this point. It's at the break between the first and second quarter, and it still felt loud. Yeah. Right. So I'm. I could sense why people get intimidated by it. They do the introduction. I, I'm standing there like a moron. They go, "Okay, we're gonna do the introduction." Okay, guys, go ahead and take your spots, and then we go. Well, he does the introduction. Say, "Okay, guys, go ahead and take your spots," and I'm standing there just staring at the crowd for like an <laughs> extra two beats. They like pull me over there. Da-da. Yeah. <laughs> So I walk over there. I line it By up. By the way, when they announced that you're from Windsor, like someone to our left was like, Windsor in the house. Like someone, <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. So uh, they line me up at the free throw line, and I, they give me the ball, and I take two dribbles, and they're like, on your mark. And I look up at the basket, and I'm like, holy fuck, this is so much closer than that guy told me in the back. I'm like, this is so much closer, dude. 
And so he's like, are you guys ready? And people are starting to cheer. He's like, all right, on your marks, get set, go. And I, I'm so freaked out by how close it is. Yeah. Like, if he just said nothing, I would have gone out there and seen it. Fine. I would have been fine. I would have made five or six free throws. Right. You know, accounting for the jitters. Yeah. Knocked two off of my average. We'd be, pl- we'd be planning a trip to Vegas with 10 grand in our pocket. Don't, don't tell me that you uh, hit the score clock or the clock. No, no, no. So, <laughs> so I freak out. I, I short arm it, right? And I yeah. throw the first one off the front iron. And I'm like, oh, great. So they pass it back to me. The next one hits the front iron, the back iron, and then drops through, right? Next one tickles the twine. Nothing but net, right? Next one I throw off the front iron again. I'm so, like, like disoriented by the, like, by the fact that, like, it's just so much closer than I thought, right? And I'm, like, if you watch the video, I'm, you can see I'm not following through. Right. Like, I'm not, I'm not following all the way through on it. Then the guy who's rebounding for me, there's, like, three guys rebounding for me. The one who's closest goes, hey, man, he's starting to make shots. You got to go. Which says to me that he's made, like, 15. F- yeah, five or six free throws. Six, and I've only made two, so I really can start jumping. And it's at that point in the video, you can see I am all arms and no legs. And yeah. everything yeah. I throw is off the front iron. Yeah. Because I just started, like, I just started to panic. And I ended up losing, I only ended up losing three to two. It's not like. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's weak. <laughs> so and the that, rea- dude, that dude didn't even try on his half-court shot. No, he, he didn't. It up, he missed the glass completely. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. It's got to be daunting, though. I mean, I remember, yeah, it's got to be daunting. You know what's funny? So, like, it made me feel good because once the first free throw went up, then it was just me shooting free throws. So, like, I could hear the, like, you could kind of sense the crowd and everything that was going on. But, like, you are, like, when you kind of get going, you are able to kind of block some of that stuff out. I was, only, I was in the zone. All I was focused on was how pissed I was that like I let that guy talk to me. It's still 15 feet from the free throw line. Right. It's still 10 foot hoop. What's the difference? Yeah. Like I've shot. Yeah. You know. This is a 17 foot high hoop. <laughs> yeah. What is it's this? probably a more forgiving rim than half the what playgrounds you played on. What is this rock and jock? Yeah. yeah. So well, yeah, that's There's true. There's a trampoline right so here. So the one like you can watch it. The one that snaps right through, dude. The the net doesn't even move. Right. Right. And it's so I've had the chance, thanks to Ben Perry, uh, to take batting practice at AT and T. And, t- and, you know, shag flies and field grounders there. And the whole time I was there, all I was waiting for was the bad hop. And you never get one. It's yeah. nothing but true, pure hops, right? And you stand out there and you feel how big the stadium is. At this, at this arena, to have, like, the basketball with no blemish on it and the, right. the, the ground with no – or the floor with no dead spots and the, the forgiving rim with, like, the – like the net that doesn't move when you switch through it. Like yeah. it's like you play in pristine conditions. You don't realize like, you know, yeah. how much fun it really can be. You're not dealing with all the other stuff. So it was awesome. It was a once in a lifetime moment. I, a thousand, I, a thousand thank yous to Ben, a thousand thank yous to our, whoever, you know, that knows the guy with the thing at the place. Yeah. That got That's, me set uh, up for that. Sierra and Joel. Sierra and Joel, Joel is the guy that was on the, the long hair. Right? No, no, no. Joel was on the Segway. He's the oh, one that shoots yeah. the, the T-shirt cannon. Oh, okay. Because okay. that's how the whole thing started. I originally texted her to see if he'd shoot you in the face for ten dollars <laughs> with a T-shirt cannon. <laughs> I would have much rather seen that. Either way, I was getting it on video. I don't care. So we'll post the we'll post the video of me shooting free throws. I would. Yeah, I'll do the one I just made. The video I made. Yeah, you can see my my textbook just pure form. form. Just yeah, pure. just beautiful. But yeah, if you watch that video, man, like, Shaq would be jealous. The next one after that. I rebound. The guy rebounds for me. and He hands it to me, and he goes, "Hey, the guy's starting to make shots." And you see me just become all arms. I just start hoisting like it's Papa shot. Yeah, <laughs> like just bad news. That's great. Oh my goodness. But uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. What else do you want to talk about the Warriors? Well, I just I wanted to just kind of uh, talk everybody off the ledge for half a second with the Warriors. There's some talk about oh the fourth quarter they're no good. Uh, Steph Curry's not the same player. 
uh, Steph Curry's not the same player that, you know, they're, they're, they're having all kinds of trouble, this and the other thing. The reality is, you know, they're still 30 and 6 or 32 and 6 or whatever they are. Yeah, and he's putting up still 26 points a game, 25. Curry was player of the week last week. Yeah. These are things that I thought they would deal with in the beginning of the season. Right. If you remember, I said it on the podcast, I thought that they would be around or slightly above 500 right around Christmas. Right. They would beat Cleveland and then light the world on fire. That was my guess. Um, the fire might be. I think the fire's coming soon. I still fire, th- the fire is burning. I, I think that they're going to light the league on. I still think they're going to light the league on fire. I think. I just think that they are so much better than I thought from a cohesion standpoint that they've that they haven't fallen into the five hundred trap. The the world's ending and they're on pace for sixty nine wins. Yeah, I know sixty seven now. Oh, that's right. Okay, sixty seven. Okay, but yeah. So I, I just. You know, the thing to keep in mind is that it, it was going to take some trend. It, the, the national media right now is having a field day with the idea that Steph Curry is not the focal point of the offense. Yeah. He's the point guard. So right now he's, like, he's averaged over the last two weeks, like 25 points, 25.7 rebounds, eight assists. He's never going to be the league MVP, right, after this move, the Durant move. I don't know about that, but I just... But he's off- gonna be, he has less of a chance of that, right? That he's not going to be last year where he's the scorer, the point guard, he's everything. Because he's going to be, he's going to defer right. a lot more than he ever did, and that MVP, he's not going to be that type of player, right? Going forward, well, the one thing that so the national media, like I said, right now is having kind of a field day with the idea that uh, oh, it's turning into Durant's team. They did the groundbreaking at for the new arena, the Chase Center. Steph Curry's the spokesman for Chase, and they did the new groundbreaking, and Kevin Durant was the player they brought with them. Right, it was not Steph Curry, right? <laughs> but Steph Curry, I think, had other things going on that day. Right, so he couldn't make it. The, the stat that does kind of make you nervous is the fact that he's shooting under 30% from three off the dribble, and that was like where he was the most lethal. But if this is just like a personal insight, I watch that game, I watch those games, and I, I, I've watched just about every game this year, and I watch him go off the dribble, and he looks to be trying to get contact from the three-point race to get I the four-point play totally a lot this year. That. And I think that that's going to go away. Yeah. I think he's just, and it's starting to go away now, where he just comes he's pulling to, up. He's trying to add a new wrinkle, right? He's trying yeah. to, the, 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 uh, he's just trying something different. And I think all of a sudden he's going to go for 40 something one night and, you know, 10, 40, 10, and 10, and it's going to be over. They, and it'll be over. They won't lose again. Yeah. And they're, you know, we're operating when we sort of cry, you know, the sky is falling here uh, with the Warriors. You know, we say that tongue in cheek, obviously, but you know they're still dealing with like end game rotate. Like the lineup rotations are have not been consistent in terms of like when guys come in and come out. They're still trying to figure that out. And I don't when I say they haven't been consistent, it's not like they haven't found what the right, right. combination is to Durant's be dominant. Pl- Durant's played a little hero ball at the end of games. Yeah, that which you know Draymond Green let him have it right, and, and Durant handled it like know, a champ. Draymond got ripped for it nationally, but he did the right thing. Yeah, he's That's right. Not the way they play. Yeah, and so you know I just. I don't. I just want to make sure that no, none of our loyal listener, <laughs> our loyal he's listener, here. Oh yeah. I just, just want to make sure that Warrior fans are not jumping off the ledge. I, I think uh, you know you're their number one in offense and their number two in defense. I think um, the rim protection is fine. They defend and rebound at a level, uh, and they get out in transition at a level yeah. that they're going to be just fine. Cleveland's going to be a tough out for them. It is Kyle, January what twelfth? Yeah, adding Kyle Korver obviously is is trouble for them. But it's January twelfth. You know they they still they play. Uh, Cleveland on Monday, actually, uh, Martin Luther King Day. So uh, it will be, it will be all right. Yeah. They may not win the title, 
but they're going to run right through and they're going to make their presence felt. I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. That's kind of what I'm getting at. They got a date with Westbrook in the finals or the uh, the semis. The what you the think? Conference finals. Westbrook is just having a frick. Yeah, season. I think I think they're on a collision course. They're not. They're not facing Westbrook. They're going to face the Rockets. And the, if they're going to face oh, anybody, it's going to be the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it'll be the Rockets. Maybe Rockets or Spurs. Westbrook is going to reach a There's point. There's a lot of. I mean, I'll be honest. This is you know obviously I'm fairly fairly newish to actually paying attention or giving a shit. There's a lot of good basketball being played right now. There's the NBA has never been better than it's it is as right good now. As it gets and yeah. it's exciting ball. Yeah. It totally Even, is. Uh, it's exciting basketball. It's it. The NBA will never has never been better than it is right now. This is as yeah. much of a golden age as there's ever been. So you, I hear you say that, and all I take away from that is that my viewership has changed and sculpted how this <laughs> game is done. Obviously, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Just keeping it one hundred, Ben. I appreciate that, man. There's, I'm waiting for those TNT checks to roll in any day now. Boom. Um, Ted Turner, hook it up. Yeah, I think I think you're going to see San Antonio or Houston. I think what's going to happen with. Russell Westbrook's going to end up. He's going to end up averaging a triple double for the season. The only other guy to do that is Oscar Robinson. You think he's going to gas himself out? He's going to. Yes, I mean, that's going to. He's going to be freaking he's such a freak, though. He's such that a offense, freak. that, that is, team, in order to win, in order to get into the playoffs, he's going to have to start playing like forty-five minutes a game. Yeah. Down the stretch, and then to win a playoff series, he's going to have to play forty-eight minutes, yeah. and it's going to take seven games for them to do that. He just plays so angry. It's, I love watching him play. He's a marvel because he I, plays so angry. I thought what would happen to his game is is what is starting to happen to Blake Griffin's game, right? Everything he does is so ferocious and with such violence, right, to the rim uh, or to get the rebound or whatnot that his body was going to start breaking down. Griffin's is he's he's yeah. out right now because of knee surgery. That's not happening. To Westbrook, Westbrook doesn't hit the ground though. He dribbles with the ball. I think he's as fast as Griffin's anyone. a bigger dude anyway, and that's going to play a factor. Sure, but sure. I, I see what you're saying though. Yeah, he eventually you can't keep attacking the rim. And, and, and just driving There's, the way he does without having some chasing cost. down every rebound. I yeah. can't think of a uh, a player that I've watched that is faster with the ball. No, no John Wall's the only other guy, and it's a hundred percent. He just gets the ball and goes. Yeah, John Wall's the only other guy, but he's just not nearly as aggressive. I don't think he's as fast. He is. He, he might, is. Man, okay, but he's just not nearly as aggressive, and so he doesn't run the like the yeah. tra- track down the rebound and then run it down ninety feet to then get like right. a one one handed runner. Got a little AI in him. Yeah. Yeah. He'll go bang around. Speaking of AI, I just did a thing with Ice Cube starting that uh, three on three lead. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I did. I did. AI's in, man. He's playing. I, I loved AI. Sports wise, I think that's good. That's all. That's right. a wrap. About about a month. Pitchers and catchers report. Oh god, I can't wait. That's I can't, awesome. I can't wait for this weekend. Uh, FYI, I just booked the flight. I don't know if you guys know now. Santa Rosa direct flights to Phoenix. Yeah. Cheap, 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 cheap. One hundred thirty-five dollars round trip. Nice. Out on a Friday, back on a Sunday. That's unheard of. Nice. So that's, that's your little PSA, right Good there. Times. Are they? Uh, they're. You don't. You're not mentioning the airlines, so they're not sponsoring the podcast. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Hashtag my podcast. My column. Get the joke right. My column. My podcast. That cease and desist tweet hasn't come yet, so we'll see. I, I, I tried not to look today. Oh yeah, you're. Oh shit. <laughs> Alright, well, we'll do the yeah, we'll do the little code shit tweet of the week here in a moment. And uh, yeah, episode 35, sports segment. Click and check out the next segment. Do the beer segment, part two of this show. Come on, next. There we go. Uh, sports meets. Give me a break. <laughs>